You're listening to Unlocking Our Sound Heritage and Voices from Farming and Harvest Time, brought to you by Manx National Heritage, the charity responsible for the Isle of Man's natural and cultural heritage. The sound recordings you'll hear today and throughout this series on Manx Radio are part of a unique collection of around 600 sound recordings digitised from the Manx National Heritage Sound Archive and available now online for the first time. The team at Manx National Heritage hope you enjoy eavesdropping on the voice clips we've chosen from the nation's sound archive, all of which can be listened to in full at imuseum.im. just heard is Come Ye Thankful People Come, sung at a Harvest Thanksgiving service at Kerakeel Methodist Chapel in the late 20th century. But of course, before you get to the harvest, there is an awful lot of work to be done on the farm, not least looking after the animals. This next clip comes from a 1988 Manx Radio interview with Alderman Ernest Griffin, who talks about some unruly animals. Uh, I must tell you this about uh, this cow one day, I got a terrible row over it. This cow, mother bought that thing, she's just on calving, and we're going across the green to the field, and the kids must have been playing with a rubber ball. Anyway, this cow got stoppage, and Mr. Atkins and the vet was coming up then. Whole week coming up, nearly every day giving her this, giving her that, giving her that and we were giving her linseed oil in between <laughs> and uh, anyway there was no sign of the stoppage and she, she just done calving and we were using the milk and giving to the people so anyway he come up on the Saturday and he said I wouldn't give you a top and say a cow I could see it, she was all sinking in the eyes mm. and she hadn't passed nothing so I went in, I got an old book of my grandfather's and I read the recipes 
And there was one there to give a quart of melted lard. They give it to her. Mm-hmm. Heated the lard. It was a Sunday, I remember that. Heated the lard and give it to her. And uh, within two hours, it was there. The linseed oil, everything come from her, the same as was put in her. Yeah. And what was it but uh, these solid rubber balls that the kiddies was playing with? Really? That stopped it. Yeah. And the uh, lard shifted it. The lard did the trick. And did she survive after that? Oh, survived. Had her for years. But the next morning, the wife, the people were calling to the house of the milk. And they were playing Hamlet with the wife about the grease coming to the top of the tea. <laughs> it had gone through her from the night before uh, into the milk. Gosh. You wouldn't have believed that. No. It affected the milk. Staying in Craigneesh, Mr Griffin talks about farming in the 1930s and 1940s. That's where I started the farm. Three cows, 20 sheep, and a pair of horses. And then I was six months, and my mother bought a wedding, another cow for a wedding present from Ellis Rock Mount. And I remember she gave £60 for it then. And that was a lot of money in those days for a cow. Must have been a good cow. It was a good cow. These were all milkers, were they? Uh, all milkers. There was, uh, I had three short horns and this one Frisian. Now, who were you supplying the milk to? Uh, Craignish was getting the most of it, and we were making butter with the rest of it. In the old churns? In the the old churn, blowing the cream off the dishes in those days, (laughs) (laughs) and using the skim milk for feeding the calves. Was there many people living at Craignish then? There was about 50 people with families and all in Craignish at that time. What sort of work did they do? Did they work in the area? Or? Most of them were at sea in the summertime. Retired captains and various ones working down Port St Mary and all, but the biggest bulk of them were seamen. Now, how, what is it, how, what's the acreage that you were working there? Uh, around about uh, 60 acres then. Mm. There was uh, just working down one strip right down through to the sound nearly. Yeah. What was the land like? Uh, the soil, good soil? It wasn't too bad, but in those days, you see, the grass wasn't so good then as what it is now. You're getting ten blades today with artificial manure where we only had one. Put it that way. Is that so? Yes. Because they use so much artificial manure today, you see, they get ten blades where there was one practically. Yes. What sort of crops did you grow? Oh, corn, mixed crops, corn, potatoes, turnips, all to feed the young stock. Who, who, who was running the farm with you? Uh, just the wife and I. Yeah. Just the wife and I. There's was only one man farm. So there was two, a pair of horses for your ploughing? Yes. But you had really good neighbours up there in those days when the men were coming home off the steam packet boats in the harvest. They were all out to help you, every one of them. And you were giving them a ridge of potatoes or spuds. You were giving them a ridge of spuds for, in place of it, you see. Yeah. 
So you could always get a, a help when you needed it. Help put the potatoes, putting them in. Mm. Then they were off on the Isle of Man boats. And then when they were off waiting to get on the high road, they couldn't get on the high road till November, you see. Mm. They'd put around doing jobs. No payment. Different altogether. Come, anything you want doing. Interviewed in 1996, Annie Kermode spoke about making and selling butter at Glen May. We did our own milking and churning. Made butter. Supplied our own butter. Did you take the butter to the market? Pardon? Did you take the butter to the market? Or was the butter for your own use? To the market? Well, we were going to a grocery shop in Glen May. About the butter? Hey? The butter. The butter? Yes. Mother had... had uh, The butter was going to the grocers. Oh, was it? I thought Mother had uh, people coming to get it, you know. Maybe not up to Dirlis Cast, but when yes. we moved down to Gordon Farm, she had plenty of people coming for oh, right. butter. She was a very good butter Farming was hard work, and sometimes you needed to hire extra labour to help get the jobs done. In this interview, recorded in the late 20th century, Mr and Mrs Norman Collister of Craigneesh talk about going to the fair at the Adelphi Yard to hire farmhands for the Sound Farm. Well, where were the men hired? Did they have a... Home down the Adelphi Yard. The Adelphi Yard in Aye. Douglas? In Douglas? Aye. Oh, at a fair, was it? Yeah. Really? Yeah. 12th of November, was it? 12th of November. I remember men getting hired and coming out here. Really? Aye. And would they come from all over the island? To all that, over the island. To that fair? To yeah. At the, the Adelphi Aye. Yard? There scores, scores of men there looking for work. And yes. Oh, and his uncle would go down and pick. Would he? Yes, oh, that was it, wasn't it, Norman? Yeah. Oh, he brought lots of men back from... They'd been down Crankavari way and down that way. Yes. Out Cool Angel, you know, Cool Angel, down yeah. Freyaskar. No, I don't think. Oh, They'd all be picked up at the fair. They'd be hired. Yeah, yeah. good men. Were they? And then they'd live in? Yes, oh, yeah. I... It was often all hands on deck, with the whole family getting involved with the farm work. In this clip, Mr and Mrs Collister described thinning turnips and the help that women provided at harvest time. And when they'd be growing, when they had the turnips and all, they'd have to be thinned by hand, I suppose. Oh, right. Yeah, that. Yeah. That's a terrible job, that. Is it? Yeah. Women helped with that. Did they? Yes. Did the women do very much on the farms at all? They all oh, the women over here was all getting jobs down on that big farm if they could. Yes. Down on the sound. Were they? Yeah. Sort of yeah. Helping in the harvest. Yes. Bands and yeah. so forth. Yeah. Uh, James Karen had a a little reaper and one horse was pulling. Yes. Short bar. Mm. And I've seen him cutting his corn many, many times. And three or four women come behind tying the sheaves of... Really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I wonder where that reaper went to at all. Scrap. 
the children would also get involved and help out after school with the farming and harvest, as described here, again by Norman Collister. I walk from the sound farm down to Port St Mary all my time. From the sound farm? Yeah. That's a good start. Every day. Really? Wet and dry. Really? Did that? Yeah. Well, the day I was 14. Yes. Home then and put to work. Really? And you're working on the farm? I worked on the farm there, yeah. Yeah. And was it mainly arable farm? Uh, yes. It was all... And Kenyon's place there too. I was 20 years there. Really? Yeah. Why? Well, ploughing with horses. Aye. Yeah. Well, where did you get your horses from? Uh, did you breed bought them? You bought them. Yeah. Did you breed any horses? Oh, I bred four or three or four myself. Did you? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So there was no sort of mechanised. No, there was no tractors, no nothing. Them days. No. Um, tractor, and I, I don't know. The nearest tractor be down at Percy Cowan and the Craggins or somewhere. Really. Yeah. Yeah. And did they all sort of dig in and help each other around here yes. in the old days? Oh, I. Did they? During the harvest and things like that. Oh no, there wasn't much of that going on at all. No. Mrs Gladys Neal, interviewed in 1990, also had to help out on the farm when she was a child, as she describes in this next clip. You did turnips? Yes, I did. I was sorry for that too. (laughs) I wanted to try to weed the turnips. So of course that was the biggest mistake. I had to go regularly every day then to weed turnips. <laughs> I didn't know it was so <laughs> How did you how did you weed the turnips? Did you have a hoe? Was it all back? No, no, your hands. Pull out so many and leave one and so more and more and leave one. Yes. It's quite easy, it wasn't hard to do it. Only you were on your knees scratching. <laughs> yes. Was this after school or in the holidays? In the holiday time, yes. It seems as though turnips featured in many children's lives, as described here by John Sansbury, interviewed in 1990. Seen turnips and that sort of thing? Yes, I've done all that, turnips. Many miles and miles of turnips I've seen, yeah. Yeah, yeah, miles and miles of them, yeah. And duck the turnips as well, pull them out and knock their head and tails off, you know, and threw them in there, mm-hmm. ready for the wagon, for the for their guards, yeah. The school holidays, were you working on the farms? Yeah, well? oh yes, oh God, yeah. Wartime brought its own challenges to the farming industry, as well as family members, internees and members of the Women's Land Army worked on some farms, as detailed in this next clip by Isabel Martin. She was born in 1927 and recorded at Smeal Farm by her son, Steve Martin, in 1998. Sometimes used to have the... the German, or the, the prisoners of, you know, they were the aliens, as we called them, they were down in the Moor Promenade. They'd taken over boarding houses to house these people, and they would be taken out to any farms to work picking potatoes and things like that. Sometimes we had land girls helping, but I, we all had to work in the holidays and at school, because there was a lot to do, getting in the sticks and feeding the chickens and gathering eggs and also cleaning the paraffin lamps. Because we, my father had been able to generate electricity 
but when he died nobody understood it and it all went wrong so we had to go back to lamps and As we've heard, working the land was a hard life, and here we are, back with Mr Griffin, who talks about the lack of profit in farming. Now, what sort of cost would you be talking about of, of, of running a farm in those days, and uh, the, the cost of crops and the cost of buying animals and so on? Uh, can you remember any of the prices you'd be paying? Well, I know you're lucky to survive yeah. <laughs> in them days. Mm. You're lucky to survive. So it wasn't a big profit-making yeah. job, that? Oh, no, no profit much. Because you hadn't the quantity of stock there. You hadn't the grass and all. Sometimes farmers turn to the sea to supplement their income. We hear again from Annie Kermode, who talks about her father going fishing off Peel at night after he had done a day's work on the farm. What, what type of crops did you grow on the farm? Pardon? What, what type of crops did you grow on the farm? Well, we grew all our own potatoes and turnips Carrots. and uh, the oats on the farm. That's, that's the harvest. My father did all the work. He went, uh, he went out fishing at, at, at night from Peel to... It wasn't just farmers who turned their hand to fishing. Fishermen would also take up farming when needed, as Alec Madrill of Craigneesh, interviewed in 1988, tells us. So now these fishermen be uh, away in the summertime, and then they'd be if the mill was about, you'd have to go round and ask them to see where they come to thresh. With they could adapt themselves to anything. So the fishermen would turn into farmers? Well, well, a lot of them were used to farm. They'd do anything in the winter time. you see. Draining, fencing, fencing uh, ditching and draining and all sorts. At the beginning of this programme, you heard music from a harvest festival service. Let's now hear about some of the traditions at harvest time. In this clip, we hear what happens to the last sheaf of corn and the harvest melia. Why do you remember the melia then? Up at Slough at Adam Thompson's. And all Adam Thompson every year, he kept it going. Mm. Soon as the harvest was cut, and the last sheaf was cut, all animals would stick it on a fork and carry it in. Mm. And then the next night or so, you'd have a big melia. Everybody was invited round about Griba. There was an mm. awful spot at the moon. Singing till all hours of the morning. Yeah. And all Adam had a fiddle, and man, he'd be rasping it up and down. I remember Georgie Cannell walking out from Peel oh, to build Slew Yes, George, George. Yes, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Was he a fiddler? Pardon? No, he, was a, he had an idea, he was a bit of a singer. Ah, he did a great musical man. Yes. Yes, he was a musical man. Yes, George yes, Nelly. He was Nelly. He was in choral societies here in Peel. He was. But I was interested about this sheaf, Jack. Did they shape it or just bring the sheaf in? Just as it was cut. Just as it was cut. Yeah. The last sheaf. The, the last sheaf, yes. Yeah. I have some dim recollection of this happening with Foxdale in my yard. Oh, it would do too. I could. In earlier days, they they tied it, you know, into the semblance of a human figure, didn't they? Mm. And in England, they called it the corn belly, but in, in here, of course, it was called the melia. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, the way his father there, he was good at telling them yarns. Yes, I'm sure. 
Let's hear from Mr. Kelly of Garwick, who in 1991 recorded his memories of Amelia supper and rosy basins. And of course, then there was Amelia, that was the harvest supper. When the farmers had their harvest all in, I got mixed my mouth water to think of it. Just for example, on one farm alone, Bruce, I've seen there the harvest supper with the table grown on the stuff. Oh, eight or ten roast rabbits all cut up into bits, three or four chickens all roasted and cut up, a crock of hard-boiled eggs, maybe a couple of score in it, all shelled, and uh, slices and slices and slices of home-cured bacon, cold, of course, as much barley or griddle cake as you could eat, a couple of pins of bitter, and a couple of pins of mild for the men, and... Well, the women, if they wanted to, but there was always a big urn of tea on the hob, and you just got yourself a rosy basin off the dresser. By the way, that same dresser, if anybody's in interested, is in the Manx Museum yet, given by Mr. and Mrs. Robert Fale of the Grange Farm, the son and daughter-in-law of the Fales of Bruce. Well, you just got a rosy basin, filled yourself a cup of tea, it wasn't a cup of course then, <laughs> it was a rosy basin as I say. But everybody mucked in and there was not much in the way of entertainment except a piano or maybe a gramophone, the old gramophone with the horn on with the dog sitting there, his master's voice. Of course there was no tin entertainment those days like there is now. Of course not all the farmers uh, give these marriages, you know, these harvest suppers. Some of them are too mean to give you a drink of milk. Let's end as we began, with another tale of a wayward beast. You may remember Mr Griffin's peculiar problem with a cow. Well, it seems that pigs could also be troublesome, as he recalls in this final clip. A couple of pigs, one sow and then feeding two or three young ones. There was one Sunday, it was June anyway, and she got out of the sty, she was down at Keggins, and she got out, lifted the door off her hinges. And she was coming up by the side of the ch church and I was coming down from, I'd been up on the hill and coming down off the mountain. I saw her coming. So I ran down to try and stop her, to knock her back to get her down and she wouldn't go. She turned down to let her box and me running by the side of her, hitting her, trying to hit her back. Yeah. And they were all in church and... I never thought on the door open, you see. And when you come down off the road, the wall goes so far, and then the church door's in after on the cement thing. Yes. She darted in there, I didn't stop. Off in the house, locked the door <laughs> of the bedroom, watching them out. But there's an old fellow in there, Harry Watson. He got out. She emptied the church, but... He got out and put her back in the yard and shut the gate. Then they come thumping at the door. Naturally, I didn't open it. <laughs> <laughs> so the pig put the fright up the congregation then? <laughs> oh, well, she emptied them all. <laughs> she must have slowed up, you see, because she had a green turn, turn. Yeah. So speed was over. 
<laughs> so I suppose you kept that story to yourself for a long time, did you? Pardon? You kept that story to yourself for a long uh, time. For a long time, yes. Although, yeah. no, just all over the village at the time. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Voices from Farming and Harvest Time. Join us next time for Manx Gaelic Voices, or in the meantime, listen again on the podcast available on the Manx Radio website. You can visit imuseum.im and click on Unlocking Our Sound Heritage to listen to these and many more sound recordings from the Manx National Heritage Sound Archive. To find out more about the charity Manx National Heritage and how you can support us, visit our website manxnationalheritage.im or join us on Facebook. Facebook.